Several years ago, a survey of biblical literacy was administered to several college students at different colleges and universities across the country. And one of the questions was, do you remember anything that Jesus said? And the number one response by far was love your enemies. I guess it sticks in your mind because it's so surprising, so extraordinary. It's not what we expect. But Jesus says here, listen to me if you'll hear me. I say to those who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And he ends that paragraph with a golden rule. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Find somebody who hates you and love them. Think of something you'd really like somebody to do for you and go and do that for somebody else. It's surprising. It's outside the ordinary. It's not what we would expect to hear. These are hard commandments. Father Alex talked about the, the, the difficulty of preaching on the Beatitudes last week, but at least he got to talk about being blessed. I got to talk about the hard stuff. Love your enemies. Be good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Now there's a number of approaches to this passage, which I think are unhelpful. One, a very common approach, is to pretend to overthink them. Love your enemies. I wonder what Jesus means by that. Well, I think he means that if you have an enemy, you should love them. But I wonder what he's really getting at there. What are the deep undercurrents of thought that Jesus is trying to communicate here? It's a way to avoid what Jesus very clearly says. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. There's another approach and I've heard sermons preached this way, that what Jesus is getting at here is a way to make your enemies really mad. <laughs> if someone is mean to you and you say, I forgive you, oh man, then they'll really get mad. You'll show them. Somebody's cruel to you and you say, I'll pray for you. Oh man, that's just going to really make them mad. I don't think that's what Jesus is getting at here. But there's another approach, which I think is unhelpful. And I think that Jesus is giving us here a, a, list of new, a list of new rules. Like he's replacing old rules with new rules. And the danger there is that we become very legalistic about what Jesus is saying here. I mean, Jesus says if someone slaps you in the cheek, turn your other cheek. But you know, you've only got one nose. And if somebody punches you in the nose, then you get to punch them right back. I don't think that's what Jesus is getting at. Or we say, well, Jesus says that someone takes your cloak to give him your tunic, your shirt too. Well, cloak, is that like a jacket? What if it's a jacket and not a cloak? Or that these are a list of things to check off at the end of the day. Nobody slapped me in the face, check that one off. Nobody took my cloak. Check that one off. But I don't think Jesus is giving us new rules here. I mean, if, we, if I was listening to Jesus say this, and I said to Jesus, is that really how I'm supposed to run a business? Am I supposed to open up a bank and just lend out money to people and never ask for it back? 
I think Jesus would say, you're not getting it. You don't get the point. Jesus here isn't giving us a new list of rules to follow so we can check them off at the end of the day. He's talking about changing our attitude. The prophet Jeremiah wrote that there's a time coming, and Jesus is that time, when God will write his laws on our hearts. Where we'll obey God's laws because it's on our hearts, not because we looked it up in the book and found where it says we're supposed to love our enemies. But that we just love our enemies because that's how our heart has been changed. And even a quick look at this passage shows us that um, well, Jesus isn't giving us the list of rules here. A famous story about C.S. Lewis, you probably have heard it before because it was Corbin Carnell's favorite story to tell about C.S. Lewis. Lewis and a friend are walking through the streets one day and there's a bum on a street corner and they pass by and the bum says, hey buddy, can you help me out? Have some money for me? And Lewis reaches in his pocket and pulls out, I don't know, a five pound note or something and gives it to the guy and, and walks on. And his friend said, why'd you give money to that bum? You know he's just gonna buy alcohol with it. And Lewis said, well, that's what I was gonna do with it. <laughs> we get the joke and we see the humor, but on the other side, if you know someone is a drug addict and they ask you for money and you know that if you give them money, they're gonna go buy drugs with it, then the loving thing to do is not to give them money. But Jesus gave us a rule right here. Give, give money to everybody who begs. But sometimes saying no is the loving thing to do. Sometimes saying no is the generous thing to do. Parents know this about their children. You don't give your children everything they ask for. Or else they get a bellyache every time they went through the checkout line at the grocery store. You have to say no, and sometimes saying no is the loving thing. But what Jesus is getting at here is that the guiding principle of our life should be love and generosity not stinginess and greed and fear. When for their own good you have to say no, that no shouldn't come out of greed and stinginess and trying to hold on to what you have. It may have to come out of love and generosity, but that is the guiding principle, outrageous generosity, overwhelming love. And yet as we read this passage, it does sound kind of foolish. I mean, what kind of person would this look like who loved his enemies, who gave without expecting anything in return, who prayed for those who hate him, who had blessed those who cursed him? What kind of person would this look like? Well, when you think about it, it would look like God. It would especially look like God incarnate. Jesus told his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. As we look at the life of Jesus, we see him full of overflowing generosity. At the beginning of the gospel passage from last week's reading, you might remember that uh, everybody in the crowd wanted to touch Jesus because power was flowing out of his body. The love, the power of God was so overwhelmingly, generously being given by Jesus that it flowed out of his body. Paul tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were his enemies, he died for us. He gave up what was rightfully his. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus did not see equality with God the Father as something to be grasped and held on to. 
but he gave it up to come to earth. He gave up the glory of heaven for his enemies. Most especially during his trial and crucifixion, Jesus shows us these principles in practice. When he's abused and cursed, what does he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Jesus showed us what God is like. And that raises the question, what's your God like? Is your God stingy? Is your God grudging? Do you have a penny-pinching God? Does your God squeeze the nickel so hard the buffalo cries? Or is your God generous to a fault? Almost foolishly generous. Is your God loving to a fault, forgiving to a fault? What's the point of following this line of thought? Because that is what Jesus says the whole passage is about. In verse um, 36, love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Was there a time that you've been ungrateful and evil, and yet God loved you? There has been. God is not a grin and bear it kind of God. Or a God who loves because you looked up the rule in a book and it says you're supposed to love your enemy. He's a God who loves because it's his nature. And what Jesus is saying is you should be a chip off the old block. Jesus says the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. This is what my grandfather used to say. Jesus says take on a family likeness to your father. What is your God like? And be like that to other people. How do you spot a true disciple of Jesus? That person looks like Jesus. They act like Jesus. Why? Because they out of a response to God's generosity and grace and love and forgiveness and blessing, their heart has been changed. And the response will be to love not because there's a rule in the book somewhere that says to love, but to love because the heart has been changed. So two things, what is your God like? And then be like that to other people. In Jesus' name, amen.